Well, welcome to uh, Google Hangouts with uh, Pastor Greg Surratt, Ministry Hangouts with Pastor Greg Surratt using Google Hangouts. And uh, we're uh, glad to be back this month. This is our February edition, and we have got a great uh, lineup for you. Uh, in fact, I'll introduce everybody in just a moment, but let me uh, throw it over to Pastor Greg just to tell you what we do here and uh, what's going to happen today. Hey, everybody. Uh, glad you're here. Uh, it is February, and if you are live and you live in the southeast, it is cold. And uh, this is not normal. We don't like this. Um, but we're inside where it's warm and toasty. I've got a, I've got a little space heater going right now on my feet, and uh, it's going to be a great day. I also have a nicer microphone than anybody else. I can, I can see that. And uh, we're talking to professionals about storytelling, and I just want to one-up it right there that I have uh, the best microphone for telling stories. Uh, we're excited about today. Uh, and I want to welcome those of you. Uh, I know I've talked to some of you from various parts of the world that uh, tune in, and I want to encourage you. Uh, also, if, if you find this productive, you know, tweet it out to a friend, uh, or uh, uh, you can also watch later uh, as a as a podcast or a video cast, and uh, your staff can be involved in that. So, anyway, um, Sean, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about, and introduce us to our guests today. Absolutely, and uh, Pastor Greg, we do also have a podcast. Uh, you can pick that up on the iTunes Store. It's an audio version of all of the ministry hangouts that we've done now for over a year, and uh, it's been some great, great topics that you can share with your staff. You can find out that list on ministryhangouts.com, or you can go to iTunes and pick up the podcast, either one. But we do have a great uh, and, uh, show today. We've got a couple of guys on who are helping us with how to tell and uh, we are uh, telling the story double time right now. Somebody's doing some back. Let's see who that is. Sorry, guys. I am giving the feedback back, so I'm going to do it. I'll figure out what's going on. All right. All right. I'm getting feedback, too. I'm getting feedback, too. This is live. Um, um, <laughs> this is live this is video. Live video. We'll get control, we'll get control of, this of this minute here, and uh, maybe we'll mute some folks and see what happens. You know, there we go. Uh, everybody's muted, and I feel good. <laughs> so I'll just how about I'll just carry the show this week, and I'll just tell some stories. How's that? We uh, let me just introduce a little bit about who we have. Or Sean, are you you back with us? Can you? Can you I am. Uh, I'm back with us. I don't think I was giving the feedback actually, so I muted everybody. So no one's okay. allowed to talk on the show, but they're here. All right, good. Well, tell us who they are. All right, we've got first and foremost, and I'll unmute you guys as we get to you. But we've got Marilio. We were just discussing. He is the one name wonder of the Brazilian Thunder. So he is. Uh, here with us, and uh, he's with the A Group, and also uh, got a new venture that he is uh, going to tell us about a little bit, I think, today as well, that he's excited about. But Marilio, good to have you uh, on the show with us today on Ministry Hangouts, and uh, just to tell us a little bit about storytelling. Good to see you, man. Whoops, now Marilio is now muted. I am muted now. Good, great. Good. Uh, you know, Good. the mute buttons, I wish I, you know, had that mute button for some people in my life. I could just point at them and, be, you know, I would love that. I was like, okay, I'm done. Done with you. But I'm glad to be here. This is great. Uh, you know, uh, starting with 
telling your story. You know, I'm in marketing and, and communication, so that's the, the buzzword that we all use, and we, t we help people tell their story. So I'm excited to talk more about that and what it really means and what it doesn't mean. Good. Good. Awesome. Sean, you, Sean, hey, I'm going to turn the muting and unmuting over to each individual. Up at your top of your screen, you can mouse over there and you can see the mute and unmute for your audio. So when I call on you, if you'll just unmute uh, today, Google is being super sensitive with our audio, so you can do that. Next, we have Matt Nicely. And uh, Matt and I have known each other for uh, quite some time uh, where we connected back in communication conference called MinistryCom, I think, years ago. Uh, Matt is now uh, uh, a creative director for Gateway Church and also started an organization called Good World Creative, Good Word Creative, rather, and uh, an Emmy Award-winning uh, photographer, great storyteller, and uh, just understands the art of telling stories. So we're, we're glad to have you on the call today, Matt. And uh, you're there in Dallas. Are y'all getting ice, or is it uh, just, uh, just uh, nice weather there? Uh, it's 30, I think 31 degrees today, it's supposed to be high of uh, maybe 48, so it's been a lot better than what we, uh, what you all are experiencing and obviously what we've had the last couple weeks that uh, obviously that you're getting, but uh, nice and warm here today. Oh, that's better than uh, the icicles I'm seeing outside of my window right now <laughs> in the south. We're not supposed to have that. And then uh, another guest for us today is uh, we got John Eric Mosler, uh, and I'm so glad to have you because I'm getting to meet you for the first time today. And Pastor Greg has talked about um, how you guys have just uh, spent some time together at Pixar. Excited about hearing about how you've worked with them. You're working with the ARC, and you list on your Twitter bio that you are a human, which I am glad to uh, know uh, today that, uh, that, that we're dealing with just humans on the call. So, John Eric, it yes. is great to have you here. You're going to talk to us about the, the art of telling story, and especially through social uh, media channels, and I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for inviting me. And, All uh, right. Awesome deal. Well, we're going to uh, jump in, Pastor Greg, if you want to take us on our journey. Let's talk about telling the, the story. All right. And as we talk about story, um, you know, uh, it's it's kind of a buzzword these days. A lot of people are talking about story. I am reading a book right now called The Story Wars. I don't know if any of you guys have read that. Uh, what what does it mean? What What is a story? Uh, John, Eric, let me just start with you. What what do you think of, or what are we talking about? What can story be? What What's that about? Well, I, I think um, it's very much tied to culture. So culture, at the end of the day, is the stories you tell and the things you celebrate. And so creating a culture um, in our world is so, so important, and we do that through the telling of stories. And so I look at it, from the cultural side of it is through our stories, that's how we develop our culture. and We pass on those cultures through uh, the art of storytelling. Anybody want to throw anything else in there, Matt or, or uh, Marilio? Uh, well, let me, uh, one of the things that we do for, for brands, I work with different brands, whether they're Christian brands or, or, or why not, is that people connect to people, people connect to stories, and to be able to create a compelling connection between, a, you know, talk about a being human, uh, you can sell a product, but you can also, more importantly, if you can sell an experience, and if you can sell a story, and people see themselves inside of that story with you, or relating to points of it, then it humanizes a product, so uh, Starbucks doesn't sell coffee as much as we like to think, they sell experiences, 
uh, Steve Jobs sold a dream and a, and a way of life that, you know, we all use his products now. Uh, so it, it's just about how do you do that, how you transcend from just a simple product or, or a mission. And those of us in ministry is even more important. We're not really selling people, you know, on just the big picture. We're selling them on a person, on a team, on a church, on a group who, if you can connect my story to their story and fi find myself in that mix, then I'm in. Matt, Matt, what do you think? What do you think? Well, I, I think for me, when it comes to when it, is that when me? It's Marilio. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll get my. Okay. The, uh, the uh, I think for for me when it when it comes to story, um, I I see story as being the shortest distance between two people. So it is a it's a cultural thing, um, and I, I think that it's it's this. Thing that allows us to connect to one another, and I think that um, the very active story is really um, something that is holy. Um, and I, I think when we when we begin to tell story, um, it 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 allows us to entertain, but I think it's also something that is there to edify. Um, and I also believe that the story is something ultimately that saves us, right? I think that um, I, I'm able to identify with somebody else if we're talking about uh, something that, that is literally from the Bible, um, but hearing uh, a story of somebody across the aisle or across the, uh, the congregation that um, is very similar to, to my story, it allows me to feel that I'm not in this alone and um, it brings a stronger bond um, to me. And I, I think at the end of the day, why it is this buzzword, why it is something that, um, why we're talking about it, and probably why we're talking about it today, is something that I feel that um, it just taps into the human emotion. Um, and it, it transcends um, in a way that um, it cannot be homogenized and mechanized and reproduced because a story um, is very much like a snowflake. It changes every time you tell. Tell it. You know, um, I, I mentioned I'm reading a book called uh, Winning the Story Wars, uh, Why Those Who Tell and Live the Best Stories uh, Will Rule the Future. And it obviously emphasizes the importance of story. You know, Jesus told stories, obviously. You know, the greatest storyteller uh, ever to live. Bible's full of stories. We're starting a series uh, this week uh, on the book of Esther, which as you read Esther, what an incredible, incredible story. I mean, it's got everything, you know, the surprises and, and uh, tension and good guys and lots of bad guys and uh, uh, just just the power of the story is incredible. And uh, in, in the book Winning the Story Wars, they say that, uh, that, the, that we are kind of storytelling is is broken in a sense and there's a great opportunity to do it right uh, whereas uh, marketing and storytelling in in the not so distant past uh, was about uh, deficit storytelling in other words you know you uh, you have a problem uh, he, he even tells the story of Listerine uh, where they found the word halitosis and then made everybody afraid that you were going to get halitosis and the hero of the story was the product Listerine and it, it made a million or billion dollar industry uh, but these days it seems that uh, if we can make 
you know, the, the, the hero of the story, those that are listening to the story, and somehow we can help them to become, I think that's what Nike does, I think that's what Apple does, that's what Starbucks does, in a sense, is that the company isn't the hero, the people that use the product is the hero. And uh, would you agree with that? Is that kind of a, a direction that storytelling is going? Apparently so. Apparently so. <laughs> no, I, I tried to mute myself because obviously my my microphone is giving you guys issues, and I can't find a headset. But I, I think that people, uh, the idea of uh, love wins. You know, not to bring that as a a book title of any one person, but just the the thing that you want to see yourself in a positive. Way you are the hero of the story. Social media has made it all of us uh, critics. We have our own platforms. We have everything to say. And for sometimes we are now the uh, fortunately or unfortunately we are the center of our own universe. And if a brand can help us succeed and make us, you know, validate that assumption, then it's a win for everybody. So and that's why the the new storytelling and the new companies are focusing on helping consumers feel like, okay, what's in this for me? And it's always been true from 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 on the marketing. How can I win? You can go from f fear or you can go from half full or half empty. We're shifting from the half empty to half full. So what, what about um, technology? I mean, we've got lots of ways to tell stories now. You know, there's, there's uh, yeah, all kinds of technology. And how do you think that's going to impact communication and storytelling uh, in the church? Are we doing a good job? Have you seen evidences of good job? How's it going to change? How do you see technology being a part of that whole process? Maybe, maybe John Eric, maybe you want to tackle that a minute. I know that's an area that you're really deep into. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to technology and storytelling, for me, technology is just an accelerator. So you can do it really bad, uh, we can get there worse faster, or we can do it better. So that means if all this technology is available to the church, it just means that they can tell, if they're telling their story bad, they can just get that out there faster, and they can show everybody why you shouldn't come to their church. Right? <laughs> okay. uh, so it's, it's when pastors would go through and say, Facebook is bad, and they would preach against this. Facebook is just an accelerator. Gossip is gossip. So if Facebook is just going to allow us to gossip faster, we're allowed to tell our story than these good stories. So if we communicate and we tell our story in a good way or a bad way, now we're allowed through technology to tell that faster. What we have to be, though, careful of is because of attention spans, uh, people don't read anymore on the Internet. They skim. And so we have to tell our stories in shorter ways. So we have to be able to tell that in, how do we tell that story in 30 seconds through a web promo? How do we tell that through an Instagram photo? How do we tell that through a tweet? So I love the quote by Mark Twain that says, I would have written you uh, a short letter, but I didn't have time, so I wrote you a long one. Because mm. it takes a lot less, it takes much more time to refine your story. And uh, when we were at Pixar, Pastor Greg, you remember that mural that said story is refinement? Mm -hmm. And just the amount of iterations that they're going, and I think Matt alluded to that, about how story is always developing, is you don't sit in a boardroom now and say, okay, here's our brand and our story, now let's go. It's We are constantly saying, well, what is our story? How do we refine it? And how do we get that story down to 
140 characters that also can maybe work with Instagram and how does that tell our story through Pinterest and how do we keep refining that and getting that message out? So I think it's the best time in the history of the world to be able to tell your story if you can do that right. It takes, it takes longer to tell a short story, doesn't it? Uh, I, I know uh, with my preaching, which sometimes is good and sometimes is not as good. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're always that way. Uh, but I try to get it as simple as I possibly can. And what I've discovered is that it takes a lot longer to condense uh, a more complicated idea down into a, something simple that can communicate than it does just to kind of, you know, open your Bible and run with it. Because it takes, it takes a while to really um, uh, simplify and capture uh, the story. Um, Matt, what, what do you see in um, technology? How are you guys using technology at Gateway in telling the story? Well, I think, you know, uh, obviously um, from, from my perspective, I mean, we're, we're using almost any social media channel that is available. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm really kind of driving home story. Um, here and really trying to look at how we're telling um, how we're telling story through our uh, announcements, how we're telling a story through commercials, um, you know, and potentially, you know, it's one thing that we're really starting to get into is really doing uh, testimonies here. Um, I think um, at least what um, what I've been a, uh, the churches that I've been a part of um, in the last, um, you know, I guess in my existence. Um, really, testimony has been one of those things that's been relegated to a, a Sunday night, a special service, and um, it's it's something that um, I think is is kind of in some ways an afterthought. And um, we're trying to really be very strategic about trying to find um, very powerful stories. You talked about Esther, um, and you know I look at how we're able to, um, you know, for your series, you know, thinking about you know, finding somebody that is a Mordecai um, in the congregation, and to be able to tell tell that story in a real um, in a real way that dovetails to what is in the uh, what is in the text, um, showing that how God is a progressive God, um, and really kind of adding more meaning and more depth um, to um, the teaching that is happening on a on a Sunday morning, so I think that there's always ways that we're trying to um, trying to elevate that. But you know, we're looking at you know we have the tra traditional stuff. I mean, we do TV, we do um, we do social media, um, but it's um, as a team, um, you know, within our media ministries here, we're we're constantly trying to figure out a way to evolve that um, and looking at what's coming up next and and where technology is going. Well, you're a camera guy. Uh, among other things, and mm. that's kind of uh, that's something that's kind of special to me too. So, how do you use Instagram? You know, you just need a camera and an Instagram account, post a few pictures. What's the difference between using pictures to show that something happened yeah. and telling a story of what happened through the pictures? Can you kind of address that a little bit? Well, you know, <laughs> I think that there is this. Um, there is this um, kind of perception: all you need is a, you know, an iPhone or, uh, you know, a camera, and take a picture and release the shutter, and voila, you've got a, you got a picture. Um, I mean, really, how hard can it be? Um, but I, I think that there, there is this simplistic view that a lot of people think of when they, when they think of image, 
um, and and they're, they 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 don't see the artistry, they don't see the research, the um, experience, and the imagination, um, and really the patience that goes into um, finding an excellent photo or video. Um, and uh, so when we look at like using Instagram, using the social channels, um, even even going to a point of um, using uh, your church blog or things like that. Um, I think a lot of people from an outside perspective, they see a guy with a camera or a phone um, looking like Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future waving their hands like a madman, um, it, getting people in, in a line and then holding down the release button like an AK-47. Um, <laughs> I think that what happens at that point in time, really images fall flat. They become, they're one-dimensional, they, they lack depth, um, and, and really reveal no, no soul. Um, and I think when it comes to telling a story, it doesn't matter the medium. Um, it's all about, um, for me, getting close with the heart before I get close with the lens. Um, what I mean by this is that you know you just don't walk down the street um, and ask a perfect perfect stranger their most intimate details of their life. Um, you know, we reveal those details to friends. We don't reveal those to perfect strangers. And so um, the way that I look at taking fo uh, photos is um, I need to be able to invest time um, into someone's story or the event um, to be begin to figure out what is the narrative that is being told there. Um, I need to be a story listener more than a storyteller. And I think part of this is uh, it, it reveals um, in these moments of waiting, in the in the moments of imagination, um, it, it begins to reveal the extraordinary and the, ex uh, the, the extraordinary and the ordinary. Um, and so it helps you find the rest of the story. Um, thinking about perspective, thinking about wide, medium, tight um, shots that gives the uh, ability to transport somebody into a story or into an event. Now, granted, you may not, you're, you may be limited to one image, but if you can get that intimate moment because you've invested into uh, that relationship or that event, um, you're going to be able to pull somebody into that story a lot, a lot better um, than just um, you know holding down the shutter release and and getting a shot from one angle with um, you know, no focal dif no focal uh, uh, difference uh, with your with your lens, right? Right. So, so let me let me ask this, and any any of you can tackle this. Um, I hear almost every week a pastor, or I, I see it, or I hear it. I'm just going to shut down my Facebook account. You know, I I I, I just don't want to do that. And uh, I can't. I saw one the other day. If somebody can give me, you know, two good reasons or three good reasons to keep my Facebook account, maybe I'll keep it going. What do you say to that? Is that, I mean, is that kind of a personal thing? Is that uh, a good strategy? A poor strategy? Uh, what do you think? Well, you know, I, I want to tackle that because I hear that all the time as well. And and dealing, to me, depends on why. What's your reason for using Facebook? You know, and I think that as you, as a public figure, you are, you have certain obligations because now you have not only family and friends, but you have people who are are relating to you on a professional level, and you are to them uh, an inspiration, your voice of, of reason or authority, 
or spiritual uh, discernment. And you can use that platform to influence people way beyond your 45 minutes on Sundays or weekends when you speak. You can use that platform to continue the dialogue you started. It's really not a dialogue. You know, it is a, a one-way street. It's, it's a monologue, a soliloquy on Sunday mornings. And if you want to put the time into it, you can do that. But you got to decide. You can't, you know, if you're going to use Facebook to con connect with your kids and grandkids, that's fine, but it's a different strategy. And you got to understand what, what effectiveness means for you in ministry, what do you want to accomplish. And Pete Wilson is my pastor. Uh, you know, he uses his social media so effectively. He shares snippets of his personal life. He shares snippets about the ministry. And, and, and it's a balanced approach. And you get a heart and soul of a real person, not just a talking head on the screen or, a, a, you know, somebody on stage on Sunday morning. It humanizes him beyond what he can do once a week in front of a people, in front of the congregation. So absolutely, I'd say it's worth the investment if you, you see it as a ministry tool, not just as a, a, a bothersome problem. So Pete, so Pete Pete, does it about as well as anybody. And uh, you mentioned what he does. It, it humanizes him. Um, is it, What would you say to a pastor... What's a valid strategy? Is that is that the strategy with a personal, personal Facebook, page Facebook page that that well, I become more human? Become more human yeah, and I, I wouldn't say a personal. I would say you're a public figure, whether you call it a personal page or a fan page or however you you set up your Facebook. You can't escape that. You know, you're you're now on. People say I'm tired of being on display. Well, you pick another profession. Go do something else because that's where you are. You chose that. But I think that you, I would use uh, a social media, Facebook, to complement what you do. And I would have a set of, you know, we, we're trying to talk to our authors and our, our pastors, a set of rules that you have for yourself, how to engage on social media. You know, Pete, for example, one of the things they will never do, he will never use social media to gripe against airlines or, you know, bad service, which I do quite often because I don't care. You know, That's what makes you interesting to follow. Yeah, I hate everybody on equally terms, you know, right? You know, I'm off on a United and Dallas issues right now. But anyway, I digress. But he would say, you know what, I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to use... Uh, engage people in a debate that is unwinnable on social media. You know, I would not. So there are certain things that we know, some traps that you avoid. And a lot of pastors who are having those problems is that they they step into traps all the time that they are ill-prepared to follow through. And they don't think about the cost. They say things they shouldn't say. They react emotionally. And then they were like, oh, I just need to get off of it because I can't handle it. And that's not an issue of the platform. It's an issue of not knowing what to do and not being prepared. So when you encounter, encounter certain situations that may not be uh, ideal, you know how to react. Matt or, Matt or, or John Eric, would you respond to that or do you want to respond to that? Uh, somebody says, I want to shut down my Facebook page. What, what do you say? Yeah, one thing that I would say is uh, um, there is a difference between being stupid and being ignorant. And you, you can't fix stupid but many of the times is people are just ignorant of how something works. So whenever somebody says to me, I just want to shut all this down, usually what I understand is that, okay, why? What is the why behind the what? What is driving this emotion? And, and all you have to do is have just coffee and, and sit with them and start to say, well, 
why do you have this account? And you know you could do this. And I mean, I had that happen today where it's, well, if you just hit this button and we can do this and this. And all of a sudden, they start to become alive. And to me, anybody that's ever said, I'm just out of it within about 30 minutes, now they realize that social media is the new pulpit. And we always think that we're leading, um, what happens is, uh, you know, Sunday morning is like this, you know, we have Sunday morning and then, well, what happens in the next Sunday morning? What they realize is that that can become, Sunday morning just becomes the celebration for everything that we did all week and we're building momentum. And social media is, is, is powerful because it's based upon relationships and technology. So everything's about relationships and people, and technology accelerates that. So social media, at the end of the day, is about people and accelerating those relationships. If uh, anybody comes to me and says they don't want to do it, it's only because they're ignorant. They're not stupid. These are smart guys. They're just ignorant of how it works in the possibilities. By the way, John, one of my least favorite combinations is the ignorant and arrogant which is the uh, usually the know-it-all ignorant that tells you this is why this is not going to work. But I digress. This is not today's topic, so I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> but we just tweeted it out. Matt, do you have any wisdom here that you can uh, help me with? Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I got a I got a, uh, an auto tweet the other day saying that I had been on Twitter for six and some years or something like that, and made me really think. Um, I, I, I've gone through periods of time, highs and lows of going, I just want to get out of the matrix, um, to be honest with you. And I think part of it is, is why I do that. And I think, um, at least from my perspective, is um, there are times where I'm actually distracted um, from, a, from a thing that, um, just based on the fact that I'm trying to get something done and I, I'm getting pulled into um, a great conversation online. Twitter has been a great thing for me as well as Facebook. Um, but um, I'm, I'm quickly, I, I quickly remember like why am I doing it? And um, you know, and, and I have not turned off the accounts. Uh, I, I still stay active. Um, it, part of it is is it is a lot, it, Twitter has been able to allow me to connect to people um, in from vast um, degrees of uh, distances um, to be able to um, communicate in many different ways um, and it has allowed me to accelerate relationships. One of my best friends that I have right now, or ever have I should say, um, came from Twitter um, and I would never have met him if it wouldn't be for Twitter. And um, so I think that we have to make sure that, granted, these are tools. I do think that um, they can be used in, um, in a way to accelerate and further a platform. But at the same point in time, I, I do think that there, there, there needs to be reason to also say that they can cause destruction as well. And so I, I constantly try to ask myself, you know, how do, I, how do I keep that balance? How do I not let a cult of busyness of social updates and things like that run my life um, and allow me to use the tool in a way that helps and adds meaning to my life and those that, are, uh, that, that interact with me on those, on those social channels? Well, I, I love, you know, what all three of you are saying, that it can be a tool. And um, I, really, oh, I love the, um, when you're talking about Pete Wilson, that there are certain rules. You know, if you think ahead of time, 
this is what I will do, this is what I won't do. And uh, I know uh, for myself, I've kind of stumbled on that the hard way of realizing that, you know, having an active Facebook account or Twitter or Instagram, those are the three that I really enjoy, um, that I'm telling a story. And I'm telling a story of my life. And it allows uh, people who are in our congregation, which is multi-site and various areas and, and also, you know, uh, pastors that we are in relationship around the world to see, okay, this is this guy, this is what he does. Uh, I'm probably not as open as I should be. Uh, there have been times when I was too open and I made a decision to say, I'm never going to say anything negative. You know, that's I'm just not going to do that. I'm not supposed to do that anyway if I'm living the scriptures. Uh, but uh, w when I say something, and, you know, it, um, I was watching a football game the other day, uh, one of the teams that I like really well that lost in the Super Bowl, and I wanted to say something that would have been really, really interesting and would have gotten several, you know, retweets or responses or whatever. And then I thought, you know what? Uh, if I say that about that guy, that guy's family knows somebody that will see this or may see this or might not see this, and uh, it it could uh, it, you know it could be negative for his walk with the Lord to know that you know a pastor uh, says these kind of things. So you just always think about that. You know, I guess it's the old "do unto others as you would have them do unto you." What do you want them to say? And, and, and one of my, my favorite times is when you uh, chronicle on Twitter the uh, fire on the ship. You know, <laughs> as your ship was burning, you were tweeting from it, which I love yeah. that. Like, how yeah. interesting is that? How, you know, as you're burning into the flames of the sinking ship, you were tweeting away. So, and, and and, you and I, I try to, and I, I do it with tongue-in-cheek sometimes, but I know I was caught in this Atlanta ice storm two weeks ago in the Atlanta airport and so and I'm feeling frustrated and all of that but uh, I, I decided at, at the beginning of the day rather than a mindset this is going to be a long day rather than a lousy day why can't God make it a good day and then I would tweet you know uh, uh, you know the wonderful things there are to being stranded and I think people could probably read through it and go he's a little frustrated right now but you're communicating a story that actually you're starting to believe yourself, and that's a whole other another thing. Uh, but uh, you you do tell a story when you uh, when you choose. And to God open has yourself. given you the gift of sarcasm, and we do not that waste it on any other social media. So I, I appreciate that. There you go, <laughs> Merlio. I, I I've got a pet peeve too, and I want you to talk to that a little bit. Um, um, I'm different. I know I'm different. I uh, somebody called me the paperless pastor, and I I want to live my life paperless. Uh, you know, I use Evernote and all of those kind of things. And I also decided a few years ago that if possible, I wanted to live my life not attached to a desk in a certain place, but on my you know on my mobile phone if I could. And uh, uh, so when I see something that we do as Seacoast that is really restricted to a desktop, like I'm sitting at right now, or um, a laptop, I don't even carry a laptop with me anymore. I do everything on iPads and, and uh, iPhones, and so I know I'm a little bit different. 
but when it's not applicable to mobile, it irritates me. And you did a blog post recently uh, on 32 reasons to have a mobile strategy. What's that about? I may be missing it entirely, but give us just a few high, high points of that. All right. You know, and, and this to me has been a, a very uh, interesting journey. Uh, we started here at A Group about two years ago. Everything we design, everything we create starts mobile first. So all our new products and new websites start on a mobile device. As a matter of fact, Seacoast is going to launch its new website. It's mobile, you know, it's designed for mobile. And then if you have, happen to have a desktop, it looks great. Mm -hmm. uh, over 60% of all Google searches are done on a mobile device. Uh, more people are now using mobile to shop online than they're using desktops. So the trends are it just continues to grow. I was in Barcelona last year about this time on a mobile the, they call the World Mobile Congress, and it's just all mobile stuff. And I thought it was going to be a cool conference, about seven or 8,000 people. I show up, and there's 70,000 people at this place. It's just incredible. There are six convention centers tied together, and you walk for three days, and you don't see everything. And there was just as many people who were doing hardware and people doing software. And I realized that, that you know, more and more, Africa is now... Uh, open to mobile. There, there are a lot of places there's no electricity, but they have mobile phones and they have mobile signal. So we, we can reach the world in the palm of their hands, or we, and that's where things are. And there is no reason right now for anything that we create in this time and age not to be first you know, on this device, uh, something similar. Uh, the penetration of smartphones in America right now is about 70%, and um, two years will be you know, close to 90%. Uh, I, I started a company now called Textify Mobile, so we can use the gift to text, and so because it's the only way I know in our culture to push notification to people. Uh, for example, 97% of people will read a text message within a minute and a half. Only 13% of all emails are read uh, any given time. So you know, from a communication point of view, people. Where, where are things done? And, and, and it really bothers me when I go in online and I pull up a website of a, either a major company or a major or anything, and I have to try to find my way to the screen. There is no reason for that anymore. You know, get, we need to be mobile first and move on to the next site. Not because I want to, that's because we, where we are. And it's just not my preference, and Greg is not yours. It's the, the world's preference. We're, you know, and we're even uh, not as early adopters here, and actually Africa is leading that because they are now completely mobile and they're you know able to do things on their cell towers that that they can't do on Wi-Fi. Yeah, I, and we could go on about that. Anybody, no, I mean, I... anyway, uh, John Eric talked yeah. about just a minute. Well, I mean that that's that's huge for me right now because um, there there's a few things with that that um, so I uh, I have uh, right here I have uh, Google Glass and. Um, the idea behind what uh, what he was saying is uh, going mobile, but I even think where we're going to see three and five years even beyond that is this idea of untethering ourselves from devices. So what you your question was based upon, I don't want to have a laptop. My answer is I don't even want to have to have this phone here. Like I don't want to have to have it up to my ear. I want, through my Google Voice number, it to go through and dial my computer versus my assistant versus I want it to go to Google Glass versus my car. I have 
So I think the future of where you're seeing Google invest in Nest, which is home automation, you're seeing a lot of biotech done with their contact lenses and Google Glass. All of that is moving to how do we untether people from technology? Because at the end of the day, when people say how Pinterest is now more popular than Twitter and the acceleration is great, to me it's a spiritual issue. It is we're trying to get back to Eden. And we're trying to get back to relationship. And Pinterest, out of any social media platform, does the best job at getting us back to Eden. And mm -hmm. so untethering ourselves from technology through wearable tech, biotech, these kind of things that I'm looking five and ten years away, yes, absolutely want away from the desktop, but I even want away from the mobile phone. And and you know, Africa is leading the way. The first text message I ever sent was in Kenya in a slum. There was no running water, there was sewage in the streets, but I went around the corner and got a text message on that phone. So we're behind. Um, we think we're ahead with mobile devices in America. And while we have the most saturation, I think 105%, so there's actually more cell phones than people in the United States, we're behind on the use of that technology. And, uh, and, and in the future, IT jobs and um, networking and hardware, is they're going to be blue-collar jobs. Um, that's just going to be because we want technology to be like plumbing. It just needs to be in the wall. So being based out of Orlando, Florida, and working with you know some attractions and and some fun companies with that, I want to walk. So I'm working on something now. Where, like I want to walk in the hotel room, and I don't want to get the little piece of paper and figure out what ESPN's on. Just I want to walk in, and ESPN is the same number it is on my TV, and I don't have to take it. Like you should know that because you know my preferences, you know what I want, that I have to type something into Google. To me, uh, Google tells me the things that I've told it that I want it to know. Now, some of that's through some you know, cool beta things that, that we'll be re releasing here in the future, but when I go to the airport tomorrow, it knows I'm at an airport, it knows I have an itinerary in my calendar, it's telling me what gate. It knows that you know, I'm from you know, outside of Green Bay, it should tell me the Packer score. Why should I have to Google something? So now that's a that little is... bit, so a little bit scary too. I think they're starting to know a little bit too much about who it I am be, and, but it, and what I want. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, let's, so let, let's. So there is uh, good and bad there, but it's interesting the future there. Let's. So so what what we're saying is make sure that when you tell your story that it, it starts at even the, you know, the, the, at the platform that just about everybody has, and that's a smartphone. Let's go back and let's, let's take a clean slate, okay? Let me ask you guys, if, if you were to volunteer at a new church plant tomorrow, and they assigned you the task of telling the story, what would be your first few steps? What, what do you do first? You're, you're in charge of telling the story. What do you do first? Matt, you want to Chime in on that? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I, I, I approach everything um, from a, it's a clean slate. Um, I want to set up a culture of storytelling. Um, I want to be able to set up process and procedure. I know that people freak out when they hear those words, but um, to be able to, um, you know, equip um, the, the staff and the pastors to be able to uh, know how to capture story 
Um, but then also, um, I think from a standpoint of if we're creating this thing from brand new, it's um, going back and, and figuring out what our strategy is when it comes to brand. And what is the core mission of the church? What, um, and then making sure that we have brand champions that obviously understand, or brand ambassadors, if you will, that understand that story, that can take that out and live that out within the, within the community. Um, I think it. I think it comes back to um, you know. I look at where I'm at right now, and in the process of um, equipping individuals on how to capture the things that I need in order to tell a story, it's very simple. It's a name, it's a phone number, and it's a brief description. Um, if I have that, I'm able to to vet it and do my do my job. I think when it comes to marketing a church, um, and I hate to use that term, but you know, uh, communicating the brand and the heart and the breadth of that church of a church, um, you need to be able to be strategic and be able to look at the mission and the values, and say this is this is what God is doing in this community, and and uh, be able to communicate that out onto the community. Marilio, where do you start? What do you do? You clean slate, you're a volunteer, new church plant. They assign you a telling the story. What do you do first? Oops. I think, Marilio, I think you're muted for whatever reason. Can you Can hear me now? Am I yeah. on? Uh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Still not hearing. Not here? I'm. There you are. I can hear you now. Am I going to hear me now? All right. Yep. yep. Uh, the, the dynamic of churches is interesting because every church is the same in, in, a, in a sense. You know, you can say, we we have a we are a friendly church. We are pastors that you know could speak. We offer hope to people. Well, you know that's the claim that every church can make, or at least should make, and or has made it, whether they delivered or not. So they're really those. It's hard to have a distinction about this. And what I want to know is what about the the story of this congregation, or the reason why God put in somebody's heart to start this ministry that is unique enough that we can create a, a compelling story for people to tell. Because it's not, you know, a good brand, a good story is transferable. How do you transfer that so somebody else that comes to visit in a few seconds can tell you why should you come? Why do you want to be a part of this? What is the distinction? And ultimately, and we all have to do this, what is in this for the person you're talking to? I don't care how wonderful you think your church is. I don't care how wonderful you think the preacher is. At one time, you have to give me the compelling reason. Why should I bother? Why should I come? Why should I make the effort and be there? And if the value proposition for me as a potential member of the church or a visitor of the church or a guest of the church, it's not clear, then I'm not going to, to come. And that's why I'm also a big fan of doing teaching series until you get critical mass, you know, until you get established who you are. And, and honestly, a new startup doesn't know who they are. It's like a new product development. You start it one way, and you find you stumble your way around the world, and you find a way your voice until you get to a place where you know what your voice is, what God's calling you to do. You're just out there to save people, to be part of people's lives. So use a teaching series type of format where you you have nuggets of okay, this in this season. We're gonna help you with this, and we're gonna help you find that. As together, we're gonna go here. And until you find your voice, and obviously Gateway is a great church, now there's a voice, there's history, there's a, a, a DNA that gets formed. A baby church has nothing. 
You know, it has one lucky guy who's like, you know, well, let's go give this. You know, it's the cheerleader guy who probably won't be there a long time, but he's the guy starting this and he's pulling everything he can. So, man, find out how you can service that, serve that community. Give them something tangible and make that the today's story and build it in tomorrow and then string those together and find out here's where we are, where's where we've been. Otherwise, you can't deliver on the goods. I'm so very practical about that. What what are what are let, let's say three tools or four tools that probably most churches should be using to tell the story and uh, get good at it? What what would you say? What would you list there? For from a social media or how how are you looking at that? Well, anything about telling the story. Maybe it's social media. Um, well, you know, visual. Most people. Three or four hundred percent of people will look at a post if it's three hundred or four hundred more will look at a post if it has visuals, if it has a video, if it has a picture on it. So do your storytelling through picture. And I know you guys are techies and you love cameras and angles, but man, my iPhone 5 takes awesome pictures. I, you know, I take some awesome pictures and some. He's great ripping videos. us, Matt. He's ripping us right now. <laughs> you fancy boys with your fancy cameras and your little fancy lens. You know, whatever. You know, I'm gonna. You know, I can take pictures all day long. Put them in in in, in some of I you know iPhone apps and make them look amazing. And and I think that's what you need. Do a visual storytelling. Don't tell show. And well, you know, use whatever you can, whatever tools you have. But you know, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, whatever you can. Go online. Uh, continue the dialogue. Create uh, a, a, a visual content for churches and and continue, you know, and, and do that constantly and efficiently. Most people start out strong and they, they give up because they get tired. Don't. Consistency in this space is very important, especially for a new church. Pastor Greg, I had an example of maybe a, a way to tell a story through that tool of picture. Is uh, we really felt like baptism was a big thing at Freedom Church, and it was a story that we wanted to tell, but um, honestly, I preach too long, so we don't have time to do a video for every single person who gets baptized, and we tend to baptize a lot of people when we baptize. So we're trying to figure it out, and we felt like people get caught up in the moment of their baptism, and then after the fact, we didn't know if they even knew their, knew the story that happened, and how do you communicate that? So we started um, having two professional photographers, so we kind of gave some photographers who are in the church something to do during this, we lit the baptismal a little bit better than it would normally be. And so we take pictures of, of during baptism, which is not something probably that a lot of churches don't do. But then we also, we have a team who then goes and gets those printed at the, the local, uh, for us, drugstore, because that's the best place to go get it printed, puts it in an envelope on Sunday with a letter from us and sends that out. And on Monday or either Tuesday morning, the people receive that picture. And then we also put the pictures up on the web and on Facebook and different places and then so they can share them as well. And so they start telling this story all over the place. And then a kind of out of that macro story, a micro story came out this past time. And then what happened was kind of spontaneously at our baptisms, community groups have started huddling around the baptism with the people who are getting baptized who are part of their community groups. And our photographer caught this great image of just these people huddled around, some in tears, praying, and as somebody's getting ready to get baptized. And so we were able to kind of tweet that or, or put that picture out there. We tweeted it, Facebooked everything. But then just with a little caption, we worked hard at getting it small, said, this is what happens when you live in community. Is there are people mm -hmm. to walk through your story with you? And so that picture, though, told 
a gabillion words. I mean, who knows how many words of what was happening. And, and it was done with some, I think, some forethought of saying we want to be able to tell this story. It engaged people in being a part of telling the story, being those storytellers like Matt talked about, because now we got our photographers who are going, I do want to use my little my nice lenses and I want to use this as a part of telling the story and we validated them as that being an art form rather than just Instagram being an art form and so it's kind of a, a came together and it's been just a beautiful thing and when people receive their pictures on Tuesday morning it's huge I mean it's just an incredible part of their journey mm. so that's just one small way that, that use that tool to tell multiple stories you know, one thing I was going to say, coming off of Marilio and even uh, you know Sean, I think what what a lot of what a lot of people uh, do, and they, I think they think, is that they get their humanity gets in the way, and they 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 need the best of the best in order to to tell a story. Um, I need the best camera, the state of the art, because that's going to make me tell a story better. Um, the reality of it is, is that um, it, it, it's all about the individual and it's all about the practice. It doesn't matter um, if you have an iPhone um, or a DSLR or um, you know a, a red camera. Um, if you don't know how to use it um, and if you um, are just going through the motions, if you will, um, uh, you know I think you're able to capture a compelling image based on your budget. Um, I remember being in television and the guys that I worked with didn't have the greatest cameras in the world. Um, you would think that they would, but they were able to capture great stories with cameras that just were horrible, that were just hung together and, uh, and strung together with duct tape and, and screws and things of that nature. And so um, not being tied down to having to have the best, I think that is the that's the key thing. There are a lot of free tools out there. There's a lot of things that you have at home that can help you tell the story uh, in a compelling way. That's good. Eric, you want to add anything to that? Tools that um, can be useful? Yeah, I mean, I, if I would go from the premise of I would start day one, I would say we would focus on user-generated content. I do that because of Exodus 35 and Ephesians. So first in Ephesians is we're going to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Well, if we are telling the story of God, then I need to equip the saints. The problem is in our society, we think that there's a class of people. So we even use words like the creative class when that is not how God designed it. When we look at Genesis 2, what is the first thing that God asks us to do? He doesn't ask us to build a building. doesn't ask us to put a choir together. He says, hey, I'm going to make the animals. You help me name them. It's a branding exercise. And so we have this false idea that, see, people use the word creativity and artistic. So they say, well, I'm not creative because they can't draw. And creativity is working within limitations. So a small church startup, they need to be creative. So I want to make it look like whatever I did, if I only have $80 and some black paint and cardboard, I want to make it look like I could have spent all the money in the world, but I chose to do black paint on cardboard. That is creativity. Hmm. And so when you look at Exodus 35, the first people ever anointed in scripture are the artisans of the temple. And it says not only is God equipping them to do that creativity, but they teach that to others. So the entire focus for me would be about user-generated content. I met with a hotel recently who can't go up against the mouse because they have lots and lots and lots of money and so they don't have a photography budget but when I pull 
geotagged photos, they have some of the most amazing photos that nobody else could get. And they have lots and lots of thousands and thousands. The average church went right now. Um, and again, a lot of it is because they don't even know where the button is. They have some amazing photography of the church that their media departments don't have. And it's all geolocated for you. And that will be another trend is that we're going to see the next trends in social media to be geolocated. And so based upon story, geolocated stories. So I would just throw that in a little bit. One tool that um, is a little controversial that I've, I've gotten a few people to do from a church standpoint is Snapchat because it is controversial because most people think of it as, oh, it's about sexting and everything like that. It also is a really great tool of when, when uh, they were talking about a minute and a half they load up a text. Imagine uh, with some of your core people being able to say, hey, here's a photo from something and a message with it, an, an encouragement or whatever. That is proactive them sending them something that, hey, I hope, you know, the average, uh, the half-life of a tweet is 18 minutes. So when we look at all these things, like we hope they see it versus pushing it out to them. Um, Snapchat's a tool, others are a tool. So those are just like really like, that was a fire hose really quick, but I would start with user-generated content, equip them to do that, show them how to do it, um, get down to the cookies on the bottom shelf. Like I would, I would throw classes on how to use Facebook and Instagram and how to use social media. I would, the first thing I would do day one is I would get, I was, I would put on a seminar for parents on how to teach their kids responsible social media, and I would just nurture and nurture and realize that. I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor of how to tell their story in, in great ways. Mm. So just really wow. quick there. That is, that's some good stuff. You know, we could go, I, because I'm a little bit uh, techy and enjoy this, we could go another hour on this, but I think we've reached the end of our time. Um, let, me, let me just, uh, I'll start with you, Eric. Uh, if uh, a little self-promotion, if people wanted to work with you or know about your company, uh, how, how do we contact you? Uh, well, I would say uh, reach out to me on social media, at John Eric Thinks is pretty much uh, everywhere there. Um, uh, I run a small uh, micro-venture capital company called The Wonder Grove, um, where we uh, invest in um, the stories that God puts in people's hearts. So whether that's a church plant, which is why I love working with ARC, because it is all about relationship there, um, or it's uh, working with somebody who's just trying to start their business. Um, if you're trying to change the world, I want to help you do it. And a lot of times money becomes a factor. And so that's why um, through some of these other companies I work with, we invest the profits in a, a venture capital fund uh, for that. So you can reach out to me on the social media or uh, you can go to thewondergrove.com and, uh, and get a hold of us there. Great. Matt, What uh, anything you're involved in, or how can we, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how do they do it? Well, you can, uh, I'm at Matt Nicely, very vanilla on uh, Twitter, um, and uh, I think the, the one thing that um, I'm in the process right now is releasing my first book with uh, yeah. Thomas Nelson. Uh, it comes out in uh, ooh, uh, July, July 8th. Um, it's called Framing Faith, and we, we look at the extraordinary and the ordinary, and uh, seeing God in the decisive moments right in front of us in this day and age, but um, and kind of looking at how we are distracted and we're missing those uh, those moments. 
Good. We'll look forward to that. Framing faith is what it's called? That is correct. Good. Okay. And Marilio, um, tell us about what you're into, what you're doing. How can we contact you? Uh, I am at Marilio, or you can go to uh, agroup.com, which is the, my website company. Also, uh, textifymobile.com. If you are wanting to figure out how to get the whole texting thing done and have people uh, actually uh, give through text, which is the new trend. Uh, we, we did some pilot work uh, this Christmas, and we found out that as I think we, I thought it was going to be true, and it was true. You pick up a whole new group of people who haven't given before because you haven't given them a reason or a way to give that makes sense. They don't want to stand in line to a kiosk. They don't want to write a check because they don't have checks, and they're not ready to go and set up an online giving. So, but they will tax donations to you. So we that was kind of a uh, something that I thought was going to happen. It did happen. But Textify Mobile is a new company. Agroup.com is on marketing and technology. And if you, John gives you some money and you need a great marketing company to help you start your church, you can come talk to me because I will be love to help you. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. You know, one one story on me. I know we're over time, but you can quit listening. Uh, but but the. Uh, the uh, I went to a fundraiser for a cause that I really, really believe in here in town. And the only way they had to give at that particular thing was an auction at the end of the meeting. And there were two problems for me. I wasn't interested in anything they were auctioning. And I needed to leave. And I kept my money in my pocket. And I had wanted to give, for me, a significant gift. And so I talked to the, I talked to the guy that kind of heads up that particular uh, uh, nonprofit, and I told him, I said, you guys need to get a text to give kind of a thing, because if you'd have had that, put it on a screen, uh, I would have given, uh, and I came ready to give, because I am such a generous guy, and uh, and there was there was just no way for me to do it in that particular context, so I think that's a, I think that is a next, it's probably not just a next. It's probably it's a now. Here. I'm sorry. Yeah. It is a now. It is not a next. Actually, yeah. in fact, we're missing money right now. We're leaving money. Uh, people wanting to give, like you, are walking out of our churches and our our conferences and our you know whatever fundraising because we don't make it simple for them to give. I think that's true. Well, thank you guys, and thank you, Sean, for uh, uh, helping us and leading us and kind of directing this and. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Sean, what do we know? Do we know what's next? That's right. Uh, and uh, so thank you for being here with us on Ministry Hangouts with Greg Surratt. Uh, make sure and share this, tweet it. Uh, most of you are watching probably on the archives, and you may be even watching months later. Uh, make sure and check out all the other topics that you can share with your staff or your leadership. And then if you are here live or watching this before March, uh, on March the 12th, we're going to be talking about recovery ministry. And we have got some great guests who are leading recovery ministries throughout the world uh, that are just incredible. So you guys uh, join us on March the 12th, same time, here at 2 p.m. Eastern Time at ministryhangouts.com, and we'll be talking about recovery. Thank you guys again for being uh, with us on the call to our guests, and uh, you guys reach out to them and learn even more after this about telling the story, and we'll see you guys next time.